Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. How's everybody doing? It's good to be in the house of the Lord, right? Oh, I just love what God does in our lives, especially like church days. I feel like when you have just like confirmation, like something else is being said, like Holy Spirit is like leading you into something and it's like right on point with what you're going to say. It's like, okay, that's absolutely correct. That's what I need to say. It's just awesome when, when Holy Spirit is working. Can I get an amen? Amen. So I have a few questions for you guys again. Number one, most important question is, has anyone ever been distracted in their life? Like ever in their life? driving, going to work, being in school, as anybody, like show of hands, have you ever been distracted in life? It happens to the best of us, right? And if you don't get distracted, well, you're like the best example of Jesus because I'm, I'm not perfect. I get distracted all the time. Um, I was even just talking to my coworker just yesterday, I ended up working Saturday, and I don't usually work Saturdays, but they're very laid back. There's nobody there. Nobody in the office is there. So nobody's calling me. Nobody's like, hey, Spencer, we got an emergency. I got, I got this issue. I need you to fix it like right now. And it's like, no, it's just, it's nice and quiet. I can just focus on getting my work done on my projects. I don't have to worry about being distracted. It's really nice. Is anybody have anybody like that? Leonard, thank you. Thank you. What about like spending time with family? You guys ever like, especially like at the dining room table or going out to eat and you have your phone on you, somebody texts you and you can't help but like look at it. And it's like, you get distracted, but realistically you're trying to spend time with your family. And I'm, I'm not preaching to you guys. I'm preaching to myself. Like I, I have to get, I have to put this thing away and I even deleted Facebook off my phone, the app, so I could really focus on my family, on Edith, on Elena, even my mother-in-law, because it's really important that we don't get distracted with that. There's a reason why we're spending time with our family, right? So we can have our focus on them, right? So also, last one I have for you guys is, has anybody ever, ever, now I know some of you people don't drive in here quite yet, but you'll get there, Ethan, at some point, maybe, maybe. Just remember to let me know what car you drive and what the license plate number is so I can look out for you when you're on the road, right? Anyways, um, but has anybody ever been driving and picked up their phone or even looked at a text message and replied back? Anybody? I'm not trying to shame anybody. I've done it plenty of times. I need to stop doing it, especially when I have my little angel in my car. Oh, been trying to just get that thing away. But we do distracted driving, and that's not safe. Not safe at all because, you know, your eyes can be on the road for a reason. If they're not on the road, guess what? That can lead to an accident. That can lead to injury. That can lead to even death. And that's, you don't, you don't want that unless you do want to be up in heaven, which I do. And it leads me to say that the title of the series is focused. We need to be focused on what really is important. We need to focus on what God has for us and who God is in our life, who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us. Can I get an amen? And so, yeah, we need to be focused, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's with family, whether it's driving, but most importantly, with our relationship with father. 
our Lord Father. Really quick, got a definitions for you guys. Focus is the center or of interest or activity. So simply said that God needs to be the center of our interests or our activities, right? Definition of distraction is a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. So it's the exact opposite of what focus is. It's something that distracts us from, oh, what God is doing over here. And kind of like what, what Grace was saying, I was just like, oh, did you read my message already? And she didn't. And so that's what I was talking about earlier. But yeah, so it's something that prevents us from giving our full attention to God. So really quick, I got a story for you guys. And it's found in Matthew 14, 22 in KJV. And I'm going to, I have a bunch of commentary with it. So bear with me. Um, this is my opinion, but it's not, you know, take the word for what it is. Take my opinions for just, just with a grain of salt. Okay. So starting in verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. So just note, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, five loaves, two fish. This amazing feast, right? It's just a miracle, right? And so he's like, all right, disciples, you guys get in the boat. You guys go ahead, go ahead. And then going to verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. I find that, that part of that story really, because I just get this, imagine this image of Jesus like, okay, this, this miracle has happened. I'm going to go up, I'm going to go up to the mountain all by myself, and I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to talk to Daddy God. I'm going to talk to the Father. And I'll be like, Lord, Father, you did look at what you just did. You did an amazing job. I just imagine he's going up there and just thanking God for all he did and just, just, just praising him and giving him all the glory. And I'm just like, and sometimes we need to do that. And that's a great example of, you know, when you hear, go to your secret place and find Jesus. Go to your secret place and pray. Go to your secret place and talk to God. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing, is that he's just going to his secret place. He's going alone by himself and praying to God and giving him thanks. So verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the winds, the waves and the winds was contrary. So basically the the disciples, they were caught in a storm. And you could even say they needed refuge or rescue, kind of like what Grace was saying, right? You guys follow what I'm putting down? All right. So they're caught in a storm. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. Can you guys imagine that? Can you guys imagine going into your lives and just, like, seeing Jesus in, like, person and just being like, Who is that? (gasps) That's not possible. That's a ghost. Oh, my goodness, that's a ghost! Ah! I didn't want to blow your eardrums, so put the mic down. You're welcome. (laughs) But, yes, but seriously, the disciples were freaking out. They were like, Who is that? He's walking on water. It has to be a ghost. That's the only explanation. They kind of lose focus of who Jesus is, right? So, immediately, in verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And I feel like in our own lives, in our storm, the winds and the waves of our lives, we need a reminder of that. I know I need a reminder of that. Be of good cheer, Spencer. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Right? And we just need, and that's the word, guys. You can take that to your heart. Take that home with you. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. I just love Peter because he's just like, in that first part of that verse, he's just like, all right, Lord, if you say jump, I'm just going to ask you how high. He's just like, all right, all right, God, tell me what to do. I'm going to do it. But then, but then he starts looking around and he's just like, oh, the winds, the waves. Oh my gosh, I'm sinking. Lord, Lord, save me. Save me. I need rescue. 
And guess what happens? Guess what happens? And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Oh, I lost track. Where is it? This is why I color code things. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So when we choose to focus on the storms in our lives, guess what? We can sometimes choose to doubt what God, who God is. We choose to focus on the situation. We choose to so focus on the circumstance, focus on the troubles, the tribulations, instead of what God has done, what God is going to do again, what his word says, what his promises are yes and amen, right? We need to stop doubting that Jesus do something about it. Right there at the end of that verse, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. We got to remember that God wants to come into our boats and cease the winds. He wants to cease the storms and the troubles and, you know, not saying that we're not going to go through our own storms and troubles and stuff like that, but man, having God with you, oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be way better than doing it without him. I got another story for you guys. Luke 8:22 ESV says, one day he got into the boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. Can you imagine that? Just like Jesus, he's doing miracles and letting God just work through him. And he's just like, all right, guys, I've had a tough day. Just, you know, if you guys ever worked a hard day in your life, you know, you do a good job. You just want to fall asleep. You got to get some rest, right? Pretty, uh, pretty normal. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. They went and woke him saying, master, master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was a calm. So I can just, I get this image again, just like Jesus, like sleeping. What the, be gone winds, waves. Why did you guys wake me up for that? That's not a big deal. Come on. Remember who I am. Right? So verse 25, he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Again, you see in that story that there was doubt from the disciples. There's doubt again in even myself, like, oh my gosh, we get caught up in the storm again. We lose track of what really needs to have our focus in our life. Again, we get caught up in the storms. Again, we lose focus of who Jesus really is, that Jesus is the, will calm things in our life. So again, it doesn't say, the word doesn't say that we won't have our own storms. It won't have our own tribulations. It won't have our own tests. But that's what makes them testimonies, right? And that, you know, I describe the word in root word of Hebrew is of testimony is do it again. And so everything that was Grace was saying is that, you know, you remember all those things that he's done in your past. He's going to do it again. If you have a storm in your life, if you have any trials, tribulations, guess what? He will see you through that again. When you have your eyes on Jesus, he will guide you. When you don't, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when you will stumble, when you will fall, and you're going to be like, Jesus, don't don't make have him like fire insurance, Jesus. Have him like all the time in your life, Jesus, okay? Like don't just go to him in this circumstance. Go to him all the time, and your circumstance will be a lot better with him in it than, oh, I'm stuck in the circumstance. Oh, Jesus, okay, rather than just having Jesus in there 24-7, right? Can I get an amen? Oh, my, my throat. First Peter 5.8 says, NIV, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
man, guys, that enemy is ready to pounce. There's a lion ready to pounce. I can just, anybody ever see Lion King in here? It's a classic, right? We all grew up with it for the most part. I just get the imagine of like Simba in the grass just like waiting to just pounce on that cricket thing or to the chameleon. That's what it was. It was a little lizard chameleon thing. But that's just like the devil. When we're, especially when we don't have our eyes on the prize, when we don't have our eyes affixed on Jesus and focused on Jesus, the enemy is right here. Bear with me. I'm a youth pastor, so I do things. The enemy is just like, okay, Spencer's eyes are off. It's time to bounce. Ah! That's exactly what the enemy is doing. He is so ready to get you when you are down. He's so ready. Oh, you lose focus on who Jesus is? Okay, time to snatch you. That is what the enemy is doing. He loves to rob, kill, and destroy. He loves to divide us. He loves to get distractions in our lives. We need to focus on Jesus. 1 Corinthians 7.35 NLT says, I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Whatever you do, God wants you to do it with him in the center of it, with as few distractions as possible. Again, it says something similar in Colossians 3.23, NIV. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever you do, not just some of the things you do in your life, not just work things, not just church things, everything you do, do it as if you're doing it unto the Lord. If you put God in the center of your family, guess what? It's going to be awesome. You put God in the center of your work life, guess what? It's going to be awesome. And guess what? You might save some people. You might say, it's, it's preach the word of Jesus to some coworkers. Wouldn't that be amazing? Man, see them in everlasting life? Yes, I think so. If you put Jesus in the center of your driving, well, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Jesus, take the wheel. No more distracted driving. You just praise and worship. Yes, Lord. Yeah, there you go. Buy a Tesla, Grace. <laughs> so whatever you do, Put Jesus in the center of it. And there's, there's plenty of distractions out there. Anything that takes our focus off of God can be a distraction. So that's, that means good or bad. Revelations 2, 3 through 4 ESV says, You also possess endurance and have tolerated many things because of my name and not, have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. And that hit me hard. I'm like, oh, Lord. So I, I used to be at an old church, and I was there for like nine years, and it's where I fell in love with Jesus. It's, it's where I grew my relationship. I found who, who, out, who Jesus was, who Holy Spirit was, and I was just like, oh, yes, I'm just like ready to do everything. I was like, Jesus, I love you so much. But then after nine years, you, you grow a little, you, you've been helping out with the ministry, and there's nothing bad about serving. God calls us to serve. It is, it is our duty. But when you lose track, when you kind of lose focus of that first love you had at, at first, man, you need to keep your eyes on the prize And guess what? You won't have that burnout. Guess what? You won't grow weary. You will be doing something for the glory of God. And you just, you're always staying in love. You're never going to like lose track of that love. You're just, just have focus on God. Okay. Focus on God. So Matthew 6, 22, it says ESV, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. We need to seek his kingdom first. We need to seek God first in our lives. We need to focus on him first and foremost. And guess what? Just like the word says, everything else will be added to you. Everything else will fall into place. We need to have our eyes on the prize. I found this quote, and I was just like, oh, this is so powerful. When the enemy sends distractions, they never look like distractions 
until they are finished distracting you. Oh, man. There's so much in this life, especially, like, I think Vancouver. Like, I was talking to a coworker the other day. It's just Vancouver is, is getting way more busier. It's, it's becoming, like, almost like Portland. Praise the Lord, it, it won't. But um, it gets busy. Life gets busy. Just in general, life can be crazy. You have work to worry about. You have parenting to worry about. You have kids to worry about. You have school to worry about. You got lots of things to worry about, lots of things in your life that are pulling your attention, pulling that could possibly pull you away from God. And my point, again, is just focus on Jesus. Focus on who he is. Keep your eyes on the prize. Just like the stories, the storms. We will have storms in our life. But we need to remember, don't, don't wait until the, you're caught in the storm to realize who Jesus is. Just remember who he is from the very beginning. Mark 4.19 says, ESV, But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. We have a lot of things in this life that can distract us. You know, making money, you know, earning a good, honest wage to provide for your family. That could be a distraction as well. I, I work a lot, and I feel like sometimes I need to, like, change focus and just be like, okay, like, working is important, but my family is way more important. And on top of that, God is, is the top of the line. He's the top of the food chain, right? Excuse me. You guys ever watch a movie called God's Not Dead? The first movie of the installments. So there's this powerful scene, and I didn't take the time to to share it with Michael so he could show it for you guys, but it's this scene, and it really hits me hard because I work in a senior living home, if you guys don't know that already. I'm sure I say that lots of times. Um, But I see dementia. I see, see residents and people that are amazing that go from fully cognitive to going back to, like, reverting to childhood, essentially, like, I don't know if you guys have ever had dementia in your life. I'm sure everybody has seen it one way or form or another, but it is really tough. I don't, wor- I don't, I don't wish dementia on even my worst enemy. It is a terrible, terrible disease. But again, having God in your life is going to see you through that. It's going to be awesome. But anyways, the movie. So it's a scene of this son and his mother, I believe, and the mother has dementia. So she's in this home, and she doesn't really can't make sense of anything, and she's just babbling on, just saying whatever, and doesn't really make sense. And the son is having this dialogue to himself, this conversation to himself. And the son's like, man, you are the nicest person I've ever known. The nicest. And look where you're at. You have dementia. You can't remember anything. You can't make sense of anything. You're the nicest person, and this is what you get. And then on the flip side... Me, myself, I focus on work. I focus on my career. I'm very successful. I have a perfect life. And yet I'm, I'm, I'm the meanest person I know. And it's like, it's not fair. Like, like I, don't get, I don't get this. And like, you're a follower of Jesus and you have dementia. I'm, I'm worldly and I have all this money and great things. And, you know, it's going along that route. And sure enough, the mother with dementia speaks up. And it's just like, she just gets taken over. And she says something along the lines. I'm not going to say it verbatim. I didn't memorize it, so I apologize. But sometimes the enemy wants to distract you and think like you're having a happy-go-lucky life and get you comfortable in your prison cell because then you never want to leave. I just was like, oh, it's so powerful, and it's so true. People that don't know who Jesus is, they get caught up with the worldly things, and they're like, oh, this is great. What's wrong with this? I don't see a need to change. I don't, need a, I don't see a reason to follow after this Jesus. I have everything I need right now. 
I'm not in hardships. I'm not having health issues. I'm not having financial problems. I'm happy where I'm at. But you know what? Before, it's, it's too late. When you realize you really need Jesus, guess what? Prison cell's already shut. It's locked. You're stuck. And so the son in that, in that uh, scene, he was just speechless. He was just like, uh, did, did Jesus just talk through you or something? Like, you know? So anyways, if you guys haven't seen it, watch it. It's a really powerful scene. I really love it. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much all I have for you guys. So main point I want to make, I've said it over and over and over and over again, and I'm going to say it again, is we need to focus on Jesus in our lives. We need to focus on who he is. We need to focus on what the word says he is. All the promises are yes and amen. Okay? Can you guys do that for me? Awesome. I have come to find out in 68 years of life, I don't know anything. I've worked my whole life in the area of surrender. And those of you that know and love me know I suck at it. But I've noticed the last year and a half, maybe, I've done a better job. (laughs) Not that I haven't fussed at my Heavenly Father, but I've done a better job of surrendering and not giving him my opinion. Well, I do give him my opinion. But I don't. I'm learning to surrender. So I honestly, as as a church family, I want you to know that um, Grace International has not had to walk a path where a pastor, they used to call it the phrase, he died in the pulpit. My darling didn't die in the pulpit. He preached three weeks before he died, but that's just the phrase. They haven't had to, to deal with that very often. I think the last time was Pastor Mark Armstrong, which was my husband's best friend. So in that being said, I gave the Lord my opinion, and then I felt the Holy Spirit just tell me to, um, my words, shut up and sing, but to pray and begin to intercede in the Spirit for his will. And I am just so grateful. I'm so grateful for, I'm so grateful for Pastor Mike and Teresa and all they have been, but not only that, how all they are. Um, the most beautiful couple, beautiful people I've ever known and, uh, um, walked me through pretty much crud the last, well, they've walked with us through hard times through COVID and everything. And they are walking still with us. And I love that. So what I want to communicate to you is this. We're going to pray, but I want you to know that, that our Heavenly Father is the one that has spoken. And I I just believe with all my heart that better days are coming. That's been a prayer that my darling and I have had every Sunday. Better days are coming. Revival is coming. People's lives are going to be changed are coming. People are going to come home to Jesus are coming. Wonderful miracles are going to be coming. These are the things that we have prayed for. These are the things I interceded in the Spirit for. And thus, my Heavenly Father has heard. Would you stand with me? And if you don't mind, cross the aisles and take the hand of the person next to you. Just kind of shuffle across. We are a family. Lord Jesus, how much you love this church. How much you love it. You gave them the most wonderful pastor in my darling who loved them. I'll never understand what has happened. But I have this phrase. You have us. Say that with me. You have us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of Troy and Debbie in years gone by. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the curls, how they came alongside. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for Mike and Teresa. Not only how they came alongside, but even today they're, they're lifting us and guiding and holding us. We thank you for them. And Lord, I, I have no idea what tomorrow holds, obviously. Obviously, I have no idea. But I know, say it with me, 
You have us. You are good. You have good plans. You have good plans for each family unit in this church. You have miracles that are coming. You have answered prayers that are coming. You have people in this community that don't know you, that need to find you through the love of Jesus expressed by the people that sit in these seats. You have this church. You have this staff. You have the volunteers. You have those that are in need. You have everyone. And I want to thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. I thank you, Jesus. Bless this congregation. Bless them, Father. Bless them with better days than they've ever known. Bless them with joyful days that they've never experienced. And I thank you for hearing my prayer. And everyone said amen. 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 We are family, great church. We are family.